What's going on, everybody? I am joined now with the host of the Red and White podcast, Evan. He is a kind of a famous name in NC State uh, media right now. Guest, guest speaking, you know, on on the the hoops page and and putting out some great football content. So, uh, how are we doing, Evan? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm talking to a celebrity right now. This is wild. Oh, please. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we got to talk about this upcoming week. But first, you know, tell the people what have you been up to? Anything new going on in your life or anything going on with Red and White? Yeah, man, as always, pushing out uh, a lot of content. We had um, we put put some pieces out last week. One talking about ending pass outs, which uh, has gotten over 29,000 page views and growing so it's one that hit home if people haven't read it i encourage you to read it it's free for all redwhitenetwork.com slash and pass out still on the still on the front page it's it's important i think it's one of those things that if we're ready to grow as a football culture we need to start to act like it right it's a football school and i think this past weekend it was a perfect example of it right that yeah. that crowd was loud it was there it was engaged the whole time and i get the opponent and all that stuff but you know we can be better um Mm -hmm. but yeah we have a couple podcasts out last week uh there's a a long one with james henderson uh, from ips it was about about two hours yeah right at two hours (laughs) yeah expectations um from the program and you know why the game was important you know the mississippi state game how the perception changes things like that um, so yeah, go, you know, go check it out as always redwhitenetwork.com. Uh, sign up for the email list, get notified of the content. It's free. doesn't cost anything. Yep. There you go, guys. And we're going to have some more basketball stuff coming out too. Uh, NC state finally got its first recruit of the 2022 class. Um, yep. I'll be sure to hopefully once school settles down, I can write up a piece and we'll get something going, but yeah, let's talk about growing the football program. No better way of doing that in the ACC than beating the top dog. That's right. NC state beats Clemson and in the double OT thriller. And you were actually at the game, right, Evan? I was, I was, it was, it was wild. It was one of those emotional roller coasters, but at some point in the second half and towards overtime, the upper deck was shaking. It was like some final destination stuff, man. It was going up and down. You could feel it. Like vibrating. It was like, we're gonna win, but we're all gonna die. And I was like, this is it's go, we're going out with a bang. I don't know, man. And it was wild, but it was a good time, man. It was one of those rare environments. Now, after awesome. the after the first uh the first missed field goal by Christopher Dunn, you know, I don't know about you, but for me, it was you know, a little bit expected. That was that was a long field goal, 55 yards. He said he was comfortable within 50 to, to 53 yards, so a little bit outside of comfort zone. Um, but then he attempts the 51-yarder, misses that one. That one really uh, hurt to watch, but at the same time, still a really long field goal. It wasn't until the third field goal that I looked over to my girlfriend and I was like, we're cursed. This is it. Like <laughs> we are just not meant to win against Clemson. I don't know what it is about kickers and and kicking field goals against Clemson, but it just does not work out. So tell me what was going on in the stands during that uh, those field goals, mainly that third one where he missed it. What inside the thirty yard line? Yeah, you know that first one was 
I think it was a bad coaching decision because that's 53 yards. And I don't know if you could tell on TV and whatnot, but it was dead into the wind. I mean, that wind was ripping. And, you know, Chris Dunn is a great kicker. We know that's probably pushing his limits in calm conditions and then into the wind like that. I just thought they they were too conservative with how they handled that at the end of end of the half. So, I, well, you know, that one, I kind of gave my pass there. Well, let me stop you right there because I want people to know that don't watch NC State football as much as you and I or aren't football fans of NC State. Like, Christopher Dunn is probably the best kicker we've had maybe ever. I mean, this guy is an accurate kicker, but go ahead. Keep going. Yeah, he is. He's he's one of the few. Um, Hauschka went to the NFL. Mm-hmm. Sadie's all-time point scorer. Chris Dunn's not right far behind him. Uh, we've had, uh, you know, a bunch of guys over the years that have been really good, grows their award winners, et cetera. But he, he – that first one I gave my pass on. The second one I'm starting to think, hey, he's clearly not healthy. Right. He had off season surgery on his groin and I can't he he didn't seem to have the same pop. And so I'm wondering if he still there's some some lingering effects from that. And then honestly, after he missed that one, I think the crowd was still into it. But when he lined up for that 39 yarder at the end of regulation, and we were all like, oh, this is money. This is he's not missing this, is dead nuts straight on perfectly in his range is basically an extra point for him and he missed it and <laughs> like there were like, <laughs> like legit there say? was people there were people crying there were legit people crying oh my god and you like you just felt like that was it like that was here we go again you know that was the one you know is something <laughs> like fundamentally wrong with this university do we need are we is Carter Finley built on an Indian burial ground or something? Like that was <laughs> what we were all thinking. Like the reactions, you just, it was, it was almost as if, I don't know, people were like, I kind of expected it, right? This is kind of what we do. And then, but you just still can't believe it. It's a 39, 39 yarder for a guy who doesn't miss those. Right. And he missed it. And you're just like, man, this is. Yeah. You know, after that point, you would think that it's all kind of mental, and I go into work the next day and he's like, oh, you know, you guys almost lost that one. I can't believe he missed that third one. And, and I'm like, uh, I, I can. What do you what do you mean? Like, this is this is NC State we're talking about. Like, this is this is NC State football or sports in general. Every time we should win or or have the ability to win, we somehow, some way mess it up. I think I, I think I tweeted out something like we have a bone or the, the football gods have a bone to pick with NC state. Like they just hate us. Um, but even though all that happened, we still came out and won. Talk about that overtime. Cause I don't know about you, but I think Devin Leary really nutted up there uh, going into the overtime. Yeah. So it's funny. Uh, draft analyst, Ryan Roberts, no relation has, he's really good. And he's, he's been, evaluating Leary for a long time and he put out a thing today and said I'll give you one word answers of your favorite draft prospect and I put and I, I respond to it I said Devin Leary and his response was ballsy and I was like that's fair like that was he played so well one of my criticisms criticisms of him previously earlier in the year and even last week was just I felt like he was a little bit stiff 
in his decision-making. He was a little bit slow with his reads, but he was very much under control. He was comfortable taking what Clemson was willing to give him. Clemson gave him all the underneath stuff and they, and the inside seams, and they just kept exploiting it. And then in overtime that, you know, the dime he threw to Devin Carter was, it was ridiculous. Like it was in a spot. He was double covered. Carter had to, so what you don't notice on that was Carter was kind of fading inside, which brings the defenders inside. That ball comes the outside and gives Carter a chance to make a play on it. And it was awesome. Like, yeah, it was a big time throw. <laughs> like he had a Mezzi one-on-one on the other side. And I'm thinking, throw it to Mezzi, throw it to Mezzi, like yelling from the stands. Because Messi had him on a double move, but he had already thrown it to Carter in the corner with double coverage. But it was just such a – it was a good route by Carter to bring the de- defense inside and then fall back out. And Larry just dropped it on him. And that was just – it was electric, man. It was yeah. unreal. I don't but think I that just, ball could have been put more perfectly. I, I don't yeah. think that ball could have been put any more perfect. That was the perfect throw. Yeah, it was, it was unreal. It was – and Dave said it in the post game. Dave said it on, you know, in one, if you watch the, the locker room speech afterwards on, on one, Wolfpack one, he was, he said, you know, how about our quarterback? He is, he's nuts. I forgot what he said. Yeah. He's insane. And that was it, man. He, he played, he played unbelievable. Well, I had no, I, I didn't put together that he had four touchdowns at the end of the game. Yeah. I saw the stats. I was like, Oh crap. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he threw he was, 32 he for 44, 238 yards, and four touchdowns, no picks. Um, yep. I did. Ha- I do want to say I don't want to just ride this roller coaster high. Like there, there are some lows that came out of this game, and we'll get to that. And I've been a little bit picky when it comes to Devin Leary, just because I know that he is capable of being a top five or even top three quarterback in the ACC. Yeah. He's kind of, in my opinion, gotten off to a little bit of a slower start, which is why I said. After that Mississippi State game, if the offense looks this bad once again, could we see maybe a uh, two-quarterback system or something like that? I never wanted Devin Leary to not be the starter or or not get the the bulk of the work. I mean, he, he gives us the best chance to win. Obviously, this guy played really great. With that being said, though, there are some things that I, I noticed a lot during that Clemson game. His throwing motion, for me, is a little too loopy. He really likes to – really wind it up you yeah. know what i'm saying i don't really get a whole a quick um snap to throw from him i feel like he holds the ball way too long and when the pocket collapse i don't know if he's as athletic or a great runner as some of these mobile quarterbacks in the acc um to to get out of the pocket or be aware that the pocket is crashing and kind of move out of the pocket um so th- that was a couple of things that i i did not like especially there late in the i want to say fourth quarter it was a lot of that same uh, repetitive, just loopy throws, um, not escaping the pocket when it was necessary, staying in there too long. And those are little things that he'll eventually, you know, uh, fix as, as we play more. But that was a couple of things that I really hated to see from him. Was there anything else on the offensive side that you hated? Because, um, I mean, let's be honest, the defense played as perfect as they possibly could have. Yeah, you know, it's funny. And we, and we talked about this last week where uh, a friend of mine who played quarterback in high school pointed this out to me in one of the games. He said, watch Leary on his three-step drops versus five-step drops. His three-step drops are much crisper because he knows where that read is. He knows where he's going. So that three-step drop is a predetermined read at at the snap. You get to the line, you you see what the defense is going to give you, know where your options are. And 
his motion there is a little bit different from his deep ball. He doesn't have that big wind up. And if you actually, if you even go back to his freshman year, his wind up was even bigger, right? He would hold the ball down by his hip and he would bring it back up. He yep. shortened it a lot and he's slowly getting that mechanics, the mechanics tighter and tighter. Mm-hmm. It's maybe a little bit longer than it should be, but I have no complaints on the effectiveness of it. I think he, you know, he missed those two deep balls, but I think those throws were around the money. If both of those guys extend a little better or lay out or, you know, maybe find the ball and, you know, identify it a little bit quicker, those are both catches and this game gets out of hand and we're, yeah. you know, we blow them out. But uh, it really, I have no problems with it. The only thing that, the only criticism I had during the whole game was that trick play they ran, the triple reverse throwback. And I don't even have a problem with the trick play like some do, but the problem is you run to your right side, which also the short side of the field. I'm sure there was a rhyme or reason for it, but they also ran to the right side of the offensive line, which got blown up. It hasn't been our strong point. And that was really the only thing that didn't seem to work. Okay, I'm glad. I'm so glad you said that. I do want to bounce off that because that's a great segue. So another couple of things. We're off this high. It's a great win, but let's talk about some negatives. So I hated the trick play. I thought that was so unnecessary. I didn't think that it needed to be run. Um, And it shows that the coaching staff isn't learning from its mistakes. I mean, let's go back to that Mississippi State game, that horrible goal line, whatever the hell that was. And then now you have this triple reverse it's just it's not necessary is this kind of a because like once it's it's an anomaly it's whatever but now that it's happened multiple times under tim beck is this like a thing is he trying to be a cute fun offense like what do you make of this i'm not sure like i don't everybody hates a trick play but they don't work i do agree that it probably wasn't necessary we seem to be moving the ball and you know, getting five, six yards at a time. I have no problem with them taking a shot, being aggressive. It, it maybe was, I, it was execution. I thought it was a little bit uh, less than ideal. I think, you know, otherwise that game plan, I, I'm not sure if it was the same game plan as what they were running at Mississippi State, but they definitely, they definitely played the shorter game. And originally I was thinking, hey, they're going to go in. If you want to beat Clemson, you know, stretch the field, take the top off. And then I started thinking about it, watching the game. I'm like, well, Clemson's still Clemson. They still have a load of five stars. They've still had top five recruiting classes for the last five years. Their their defensive backs are pretty damn good. You might not be able to get over the top on some of them. And we did. We didn't hit the plays. But Clemson sat back and they knew or they thought, hey, if we keep them in front of us, they're not going to be able to sustain drive for this, you know, for extended periods of time. But we did. We had the ball for 42 freaking minutes. Yeah. And we're able to, you know, stress out that defense, which is really good by keeping them on the field that for that long. Yeah. I don't think anybody else Clemson's going to face the rest of the year is going to be able to do that. And I would almost safe to bet that Clemson's not going to lose the time of possession battle again that much the rest of the year. Yeah. So I think Absolutely. offensively, it was a pretty good game plan for what they needed to do. You know, it could have hit a couple of plays here and there, and that game's a lot less close than it should have been. Yeah, you know, that bomb to Devin Carter that he probably should have caught makes yeah. this game not even an overtime. 
Right. Um, I, I will say, I think, okay, let, let's, let's talk about this Clemson team. This Clemson team, and I'm glad you said it because you mentioned it on your pod with Will, this Clemson team is not bad. It's not that they're no, – you can't, you, you can't be top 10 in the country unless you're a certain team from the ACC. We'll get into them a little bit later. And be considered bad. Um, Clemson has been outside of Alabama. Well, actually, you know what? Clemson and Alabama have been college football for the better part of a decade. Um, so to sit here and say now, and that's, that's talking dynasty. Yes, this is a down year to their standards, but I mean, holy shit, you know, like give me their talent. Uh, like I, I will take right. the Clemson talent. Um, and that, and that leads me into some fan questions. So I had, you mentioned it um, on your Twitter. You actually answered one of them and I will, I'll answer this. You can, you can um, give me your feedback uh, for my answer. But one of the questions was, is this a top three win in the program all time? I'm going to say yes. And I know that you said, we'll see, because we got to see what this Clemson team is, but I, I think it is absolutely just because of how much Clemson has dominated the ACC and college football in general, even if this is a down year, this is a win that Dorian, Dave Dorian needed. This is a win that the program, this is a fan, a win that the fans needed. I mean, this is, I don't want to say it's going to get us over a hump or, or this is the win that's going to accelerate this program or anything, but it definitely gives you some type of confidence going into the rest of the year, knowing that you can compete with the top of the top. I mean, you've got an future NFL quarterback in DJ. Will Shipley was a five-star running back. Um, shout out to Dabo for starting him against us. Uh, <laughs> Justin Ross might be the best receiver in football. Like that, that Clemson defense hasn't given up a single offensive touchdown all season long, correct? Yes, I think right. that is correct. Yeah, and yep. and we scored four. Like it's not yeah. about Clemson being bad. It's just that like we've seen NC State at their worst, and we've seen now NC State at their best. You know, going back to the Mississippi State game, and now this NC State is a good football team. It's and you mentioned it on your pod. It was their first away game. Everybody's been kind of shooken up outside of Oregon when, when going on the road for the first time after not having fans all year. Like, it comes with the territory. But NC State is definitely a good team. I don't think Clemson – obviously, they can't make the playoffs now. But they're still going to be fighting for a top 15 spot all year long. And if you consider that bad, then I, I can't help you. I don't know what to tell you. Um, what, what do you make of that win? Is it is it all-timer? So, yeah, USA Today still has Clemson with the possibility of sneaking into the playoff at 10-2 and two or something like that. Uh, I mean, it's not happening, but it's – They have to win about. out the entire season and the ACC championship, which they absolutely could do. And get a lot of help. Yeah, they're, they're going to And a get help. a lot of help. Um, It is an all-timer. Like, it is – I don't know where it ranks. And – I think it's different than a lot of people are. I've seen the comparisons to the Louisville Lamar Jackson team. This team's a lot. Clemson's a lot better than that Louisville team was. That Louisville team was fraudulent. I don't think Clemson's fraudulent. I think Clemson's inexperienced. They've they've had some issues with um, you know offensive line and a couple other places, but really there's a ton of talent on that team. And its importance is maybe not in the history of NC State right now, but it will be by the end of the year. Because we will know where this game ranked if you look at it at the end of the season. Like, was NC State able to capitalize on it? 
because they are clearly in the driver's seat. Everybody else still has to play Clemson in the Atlantic and state is in the driver's seat right now. And so if they are able to maintain and they don't stumble somewhere down the line and Clemson still being Clemson with an elite defense and a lot of talent doesn't blow it and just win six games or something like that. You're going to see this game is going to be elevated, right? This is, I think it's going to be far bigger than that Louisville Lamar game. That's one everybody talks to Dave's this Dave's best win. Well, they beat Lamar Jackson. It doesn't matter. The rest of the team was trash. This Clemson team is not trash. I think they are still very good. I think the thing is they just played the three best defenses that they will face on their schedule, Georgia Tech, Georgia, and us. I think our defense is borderline elite. I think they are that good. It hurts losing C.J. Clark. Yes, it hurts losing C.J. Clark and Peyton Wilson and Cyrus Fagan. But they are still good. We have the depth everywhere that makes up, makes up, air quotes, some of those differences. I think this team is really good. Defense is really good. I was, so, yeah, I think that win is, is – it means everything to Dave. I mean, you could, you could tell how important that was to him Yeah, <laughs> to get over that hump, to get over that, hey, well, you can't beat Clemson. Well, you beat Clemson. Yeah. Now just finish, right? Go out there and – beat the rest of these teams because you should be better than most of them. You'll be favored in all of them. Maybe not wake. It'd probably be a pick them, but the rest of the teams you're going to be favored in and they got to win. Yeah. We'll get into the rest of the conference here soon. Um, got a couple more questions from a fan. Liam asks, is Doran out of the hot seat? That is the question of the year after this win. I think this buys him a good three years, probably. Um, even if Clemson's not that good. So I'm going to say he is out of the hot seat, but his, his seat is slightly warm. It is, it is not cold. It's weird because somebody asked me this question, what would you do if, if state went eight and four? And my response is, I don't know. Right. I, I don't know. I don't know. Like if you're the history of NC state, you're historically a 500 program and you want to fire a guy that goes eight and four. Now, I certainly understand the rationalization behind that is, you know, all right, he's been good, but he's not been good enough. Can he get you over the hump? Well, now he's shown that he can get us at least over this hump. The question is if he comes out and loses to BC, comes out and loses to Wake, and they still end up, you know, nine and three. I mean, it'll be a good year, but people are going to be big time disappointed. And you're going to have those same conversations of, you know, is Dave the guy? Can Dave get it done? Can, you know, he capitalize on the opportunity? I don't necessarily think he was in the hot seat. I think this team's too good for that. I don't think there was any, any risk of him ever winning less than eight. I still don't. But I do understand that nine years goes by and you are testing the patience of fans and this happens for everywhere. This is not an NC State thing. You've seen it with Oklahoma State, right? Mike Gundy's been – he's won 10 games there multiple times. They've had, they've been very successful. They haven't really beaten Oklahoma, I don't think, maybe once. And they haven't won the conference. And so people are like, you know, why should we hang on to Mike Gundy? It's like, well, he's been really good there for a long time. But at some point, the relationship becomes stale. And it's best for everybody to – to move on 
So I don't think Dave was ever in the hot seat. I think what's going to, you know, what you would more likely see is that if Dave wins nine games, maybe doesn't get over the hump, so to speak, and win the division, you know, if they, if they drop off there, you'll see half the fan base be happy. Hey, it was a good year, beat Clemson. And then you'll see the other half being like, all right, now what, right? Is, is Dave going to be, you know, can, can he get it done? But I think what that means is that Dave's likely going to move on to another job on his own. I think he will be looking for that next opportunity. That's just my my guess at, at how this plays out. If he doesn't win the division, I don't think he's. I don't think the hot seat is necessarily in play. I think you're testing the patience of your fans at, at some point there. So you see him leaving before getting fired because I don't think he's getting fired. I don't think he would get fired. I didn't think he was getting fired after the Mississippi state game. I still think that was such an aberration. Uh, he'd have to, and I know this for a fact, he'd have to win less than eight games to get fired. And I just don't see how that's possible. This team is too good. I've been saying it for a long time. It seems too good. If he wins less than eight games and, that is an epic failure in the coaching coaching position because there's just too much talent and too much experience on this team yeah. for that to happen. If, if he didn't get fired, somebody would. I ran a poll yeah, on Twitter. It got a little bit over 100 votes. After the Mississippi State game, I asked, all right, NC State fans, what are we? What, how many wins are we going to get? Are we going to get more than 10, 9, 8, 7, 6? The rough estimate, um, I think the majority was 7. I want to say it was 7. So – Fans were very, very low, and now they're very, very high. It's a what for <laughs> you, what have you done for me lately type of atmosphere in sports in general, but especially around NC State football. So Liam asked the question, after the state win Saturday, what has to happen for the rest of the year for it to be a success? Yeah, I think after that Mississippi State game, people were upset, and I get it because I, I was there. I was upset. I was disappointed. It was very deflating. And – how they came out in this Clemson game was going to define how the rest of the season went. If they came out, were competitive, even if they lost, even if it was a, a close game, but they were fight, you know, they were competitive. It would have justified it or would have at least satiated some of my dismay after that Mississippi state game, because I, I do believe this team is good. And so I wasn't, ready to abandon ship after Mississippi State. And like it was it was disappointing for its own reasons. How did I forgot the question? What was the question? <laughs> what uh what has to happen for this to be considered oh, yeah, yeah. a successful season? He's got to win the division. Like at this point, you've gotten you've gotten that monster out of the way, right? You slayed that dragon for the first time in nine years. Don't blow it. Don't go to wake and blow it. You know, Wake's got 10 of the last 12 of, against us in Winston-Salem. I don't think – I think Clawson's a good coach. I think Wake's actually pretty good offensively. I don't think they've played anybody who's got a defense like ours. They've played Virginia, FSU, Norfolk State, ODU. None of those teams are, I think, any good. I think we've kind of seen them all be exposed at some point already. All at the bottom. Right. And they play Louisville this week. I don't think Louisville's got any defense, but at least Louisville can score. So we'll see how that plays out. But don't don't lose those games. I, I still think you're better than them. And somebody's going to argue with me that you know 
some of these teams are better than state. I don't think so. I, I think they're fine. BC lost a starting quarterback. They had a nice win this weekend. Jeff Halfley's doing a good job. I still don't think they're better than we are. You have to win those games. Go down there, win those, go up there, go to Wake Forest, win those games, go to Miami, win that game against a team that's all over the place, right? Go to Florida State and just be yourself. Don't be a team that went to Mississippi, right? Don't be, I, and I think that Mississippi State game is on the coaches. I think that was a very poorly planned and executed game. I think that's on the coaches. Dave said it in, I don't remember if it's his presser today or earlier that they learned from that. And that was on the coaches and that the coaches gotten better. The first people he thanked in his post game in the locker room was the coaching staff. He's like hell of a job by the coaching staff. And I agree. I think that is what I expected from this coaching staff. And if they just perform the way I think they should perform, they should get it done. They should, they might not walk the dog in the ACC, but they should be pretty damn close at this point. So right now, Wake Forest, Louisville, and NC State are at the top of the Atlantic, at the top of the coastal, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh. Any other teams outside of those six that are, are kind of catching some buzz in your eyes or, or somebody to watch out for? Not really. Nobody. <laughs> no. Like, Wake's good offensively. I don't know what they have defensively. I don't think they've really been tested. Louisville. We don't know a whole lot from them. If Malik Cunningham is having a good game, then they're pretty good. If But if he's regular Malik Cunningham, they're very beatable. There, there's nothing there that scares me. Their defense is not very good. Carolina, you know, who knows you get with them? I think they buckle when they play, they play a physical defense. You saw that this weekend. Georgia Tech, you know, give uh, Jeff Collins some credit. Georgia Tech's defense played pretty well. Played pretty well a couple weeks in a row. I think they're pretty strong defensively. Offensively, they're limited to two guys, and Carolina could not stop them. You could not stop Sims and Jameer Gibbs, and they just got the doors beat on them. But Carolina is what we thought they were. Well, what, what, what me the, and you thought they were, not what the – Well, <laughs> what most of – yeah, our listeners, our, my listeners, your listeners, were probably educated enough to know – Carolina lost too much to be that good, right? Everybody's right. banking on, you know, freshman wide receivers and, you know, the offensive line's going to be better because of experience. No, they, they got just manhandled by Georgia Tech. Right. Yeah. You Miami, know, oh, sorry. Go ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say Miami's the other one. It's like they have some talent, but, you know, Derek King's hurt. You don't, they're, they're going to quit. I think by the time we get down there, they're going to be giving up. Yeah. So Miami's not playing to, the level that I thought they would. And, yeah. you know, speaking of Carolina, not playing up to the level, losing 45 to 22 against Georgia Tech. Like, Georgia Tech's pretty yeah. good, but, you know, holy crap. I think Georgia right. Tech had nine sacks on, on this one. Yeah. Um, Sims had over 120 yards rushing, three touchdowns, uh, Georgia Tech's quarterback. Like, it's amazing to see <sighs> – how much they've digressed in just short amount of time. This is a, a team that was getting Heisman hopes and, and uh, college playoff potential. And, and, you know, they're just going to run the table, possibly go undefeated by, by some people's standards. And it's just within a month, they've gone from being ranked inside the top 10 to now two and two with 
a couple of really tough games coming up. I mean, if you get past Duke and Florida State, which you probably should, they're both terrible. You've got Miami, Notre Dame, Wake Forest. Like, that's not a really easy road. This could really spiral into something crazy here yeah. in in the next couple of weeks. You know, what do you what do you make of that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, just well, the Wake Forest Carolina game is out of conference, so it's a uh, the makeup or not the makeup the reciprocal for the 2019 game. So that game really doesn't do anything for anybody which I think is stupid, but it is what it is. I just – I don't think they're that good, man. I, I think Pitt is going to give them a harder time. I think Pitt's okay. I think they're a bit schizophrenic. You know, they can put up 70 points one game and then they lose to – who they lose to? I don't know. They lost to somebody they shouldn't have recently. And, yeah, I don't, I don't know, man. Nobody in the Coastal scares me. Uh, nobody's consistent enough. I don't think anybody's good enough. I'm not even worried about them. I'm just worried about us. I, maybe Cuse, maybe Syracuse, right? That's the team that defensively they're top four in the country in total defense. I, again, is, is that because they haven't played anybody that's good? I don't know. I think they got a little bit of, a little bit of juice, but maybe not a whole lot. I just, I'm just not sure what to take of this season. I thought Virginia was going to be competitive and then Carolina beat them down and then Wake beat them down. And I'm thinking, well, maybe Virginia's just not that good, right? Maybe their defense is terrible, which is what it shows. I don't know. I don't know what to think. Yeah. You know, I a little off topic here, but I started doing new things around the house and try to like, you know, stimulate the mind or whatever you want to call it. But I started planting um, this avocado plant and um, I actually named it and I named it Mac Brown um, because I'm going to give it all the attention and I'm never going to let it die. Kind of like the ACC network and UNC football (laughs) and it's going to grow so beautifully, (laughs) but, but no, for real, like let's, let's talk about ACC network on Instagram, showing love to Sam Howell's, you know, touchdown run where he broke off a couple of tackles but failed to do anything for Georgia Tech, kicking the crap out of them. Uh, you know, the Twitter doesn't even talk about the catch of the week, Devin Carter. I know, I, I know. Recorded a, I recorded a minute long of me scrolling the ACC Network's Twitter feed. Yeah, I saw that one. <laughs> to almost nothing but Carol Hanna stuff. Yeah. Like, there's just zero chance – the guy who runs that that account or the social media team is not full of Carolina grads. Like, zero chance. Because that is the only thing they promote. It's embarrassing. Yeah. I, I wish more schools would be outraged. I only feel like we're the only ones talking about it. Yeah. But Georgia Tech just beat their ass, and there was nothing about it. There was nothing about the Clemson-NC State matchup, even before the game. Well, it's so funny how the narrative, you know, like they get killed. The The defense had nine sacks. The quarterback had 128 yards rushing and three right. rushing touchdowns. No highlight reel. You get like one post of, hey, Georgia Tech beat Carolina. But then like the narrative goes away and it's like, let's just talk about how great Sam Howell is. Like we got to find some silver lining to 
to boost UNC because even though they lost, we still have to talk about them. And it's like, I get that if they were winning and were good, but I mean, they're at the bottom of their division and like they're a non-factor right now. And it's just, it's insane to me, but whatever. Anyways, man, uh, that's going to do it for today. I got to get out of here and do some homework. Cause that's what my life consists of these days. But, um, <laughs> Yeah, so you got some more football pods coming out. Basketball season's almost here. I'm sure we'll have a couple episodes for everybody. Um, yep. Anything else you got, Evan? No, that's it, man. Well, you guys, be sure to check out Red and White Pod on Twitter. Um, also on Apple Podcasts. And uh, tune in next week, and we'll talk to you sports, guys. Peace out. Thanks, Evan. Yep. See ya.